Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan and a fresh-faced first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this, this is, is the story, story so Farscape. Farscape. We're getting good at this. Yeah, yeah. We've got some practice at this. I mean, this is episode <laughs> 7, that 107 that we're at. Uh, yes, and this is the story so far, case, so Farscape, where the uh, American science jock uh, John Crichton has been shot through a wormhole into some distant part of the universe uh, and is on a ship. With some... A living ship. Space Come on, oh, living ship. Yeah. Sorry, yes. There you go. Uh, yeah, with some uh, other escapees from the uh, society known as the Peacekeepers. Right. We've got Zan, the supposedly pacifist priest. She's blue yeah. and she's beautiful. And we've got Tentacles, or Dargo, as he's colloquially <laughs> known. he's boringly yeah. known. No, Tentacles oh, is Although we, le- we, we learned that he's called Carl Dargo in this episode. But Carl Dargo, yeah. Ka so Dargo, apparently yeah. He's, yeah. From a, he's from a culture that puts their surname first. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and of course, Airbrows. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, Dominar Rigel the sixteenth, and he's a, and he's a muppet. He's the, a squat little. Yep, the disposed um, the tyrant dis- of a. Uh, I like that you invented a new word there. It's like half despised and half deposed. Well, yes, disposed. Well, the disposed tyrant. No, that's correct. <laughs> of six billion subjects, I believe he's six hundred billion. Six hundred billion. Six hundred billion. Six hundred billions. And I mean, I was going to say lastly, Aaron, but uh, yeah. while she's the 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 peacekeeper who uh, has been banished from her own people. Yes, she's on, on the run. Yeah, given the choice, she would have not chosen this life either. Yeah, so. it's such a weird position for her yeah. to be in. Although they seem to be getting along quite well. I mean, there's a little bit of friction here and there, but in general, they, the crew seems to be melding into a... Uh, well, I won't say a well-oiled machine, but at least they seem to tolerate each other's yeah. foibles. All the sort of all the sort of grit has been sanded down to to a sort of bearable size. Oh, what's that that word? Society means like uh, uh, shaving the corners off of everybody's freedom so that they all fit next to each other oh, without that's, that's right, a very something nice like one. that. Yeah, and I, I guess they've like yeah they figured out how each other's personalities works and what when they say something or the other then it. Uh, it's not necessarily meant as an affront or anything. They're just like figuring out how everybody interacts with each other. And it, it's because a- there is a there is a lot of opportunity for uh, for affront. I mean, everyone there except for John hates the 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 peacekeepers, and she, yes. you know, Aaron is a peacekeeper, and it's it's like it's a it's this this powder keg. And yet, it doesn't always ignite the way that you, no. you think, because they've all sort of... And we're actually starting to learn a little bit more about the peacekeepers. I mean, last episode yes. was more like, the, apparently, the peacekeepers like have some rather disreputable techniques for getting uh, the oil that they fuel their weapons with. Yes. Last week was... Uh, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, thank God it's Friday again. Yeah, and again, um, and again, and again. And again, and again. And we, and we, and we, and we find out that there's a, there's a planet that has been seeded with a crop that is hugely destructive and sort of psychologically... Uh, addictive, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's not addictive. It's, it's never like mentioned that it's addictive, but it seems right. to like make people very compliant. And Docile, it's a, it's yeah. a depressant, and yeah, and, and the way that peacekeepers manufacture their weapons fuel is yeah. to enslave populations with, and, and contaminate planets with this crop yep. from which they're like... We were led to believe in the first episode that they were leaving peacekeeper territory by heading into the yes. uncharted territories. And yet they keep coming across more and more peacekeeper artifacts, relics, whatever you want to call it, like the peacekeeper presence, I suppose. Yeah. Because last, last episode was about the, uh, the the crop for the fuel. This episode, it deals with where they are. They find a ship. Yes. This episode, uh, PK Tech Girl, episode 107, I've been really, really, really excited to share with you, oh. as I have with every episode so far, because they're, they're they're all brilliant, but this is like this is widely regarded by the crew and by by fans alike as the moment where Farscape really sort of found its its voice. Okay, uh, and it, and from a production standpoint, it's also kind of remarkable because uh, this is the first one that was filmed on its own. Oh right, because yeah, they it, had was, to, it wasn't done in the twofer uh, system. Yeah, that they were exactly. Using and so everyone was focusing on just one story, and yeah. it, like it's it's much better. It didn't jump out at me at being particularly different, but right. it, might, it might have been just a different style to it. It seemed to be a little bit more coherent in its uh, consistent. Yeah, is the word. I yeah, I think, that's, I think that's right. Yeah. Although I was thinking, like, we do, never do find out what PK stands for, do we? Oh, Peacekeeper, of course. Duh. Well, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. no. Some of us do find out eventually. Well. It was never mentioned specifically, but then no. again, that might have been... <laughs> but there again, like, these these episode titles were never meant to be public. Ah, okay, they were just working titles. Yeah, they were just sort of internal, oh, it's the it's the Back to the Future one. You, it's good, the, you have a good point. It's like there's no, in, in, in the credits or anything, there's no mention of an episode title like you see no. in, uh, in Star Trek. 
they they weren't written with titles in mind. It was just an easy way to sort of keep them apart. Oh, we're doing, yeah. which one are we doing now? Oh, we're doing the peace, peacekeeper tech girl. Yeah. Prepare to stop her. So we have an opening shot of Rigel's eyes, and it's like we've got yeah. this little beady nostrils and his big pupils. And then I noticed immediately that like the hologram of Pilot seems to be much higher in quality than anything we've seen before. It's like right. It it really jumped out at me. Yeah, because previously he was rendered with all of these like scan lines, like it yes. was a VHS hologram. Also a bit bluer. He's more greenish now. Right. He's actually got color. Maybe they had had some software upgrade on Moya and. Uh, now, Pilot is uh, in higher resolution. Yeah. They have found a derelict ship. I love that it starts with a close-up of, of Rigel's eye mm-hmm. and with the, with the ship and the... Like, it's in, a, it's in a planetary ring system. And do you notice how it's among the rings? Yes. It's, it's kind of sticking out. Between them. Oh, it's sticking in one of those uh, empty gaps? Yeah, so it is. Well, yeah. I mean, we say sticking in one of those empty gaps. Why does the gap exactly fit the ship? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that the, the ship would sweep up the gap if everything right. rotates, and the ship doesn't rotate at the same time. Of th- that—that's not how orbital mechanics work. Well, okay, no, okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get into how orbital mechanics work because I was, meanwhile, I was totally captivated by like the choices of, in colors throughout Farscape so far. Like you, you look at that—that that image of the derelict ship in the planetary rings with the sun coming up, and the, there's all of these ochres, and wow, it's a lot it's, of a lot of space colors are always very orangey in. Uh, I've noticed. Well, I mean, certainly in Farscape, yeah. where I mean, that's the color of the of, of the command and of right. Moya. Moya's so. inside seems also seems to be very ochreish. And there's uh, a lot of desert colors I've noticed. Yeah. Definitely lit. I mean, it's all a little bit dark with lots of like lighting I mean, where you're really wondering where is it coming from. But it's like I mean, the lighting crew must have had a damn job to get oh, that all wow, that set yeah. up. I mean, you've got a, you've got a lot of lights on the on the on the bridge, and a lot yeah. of them are these. And the command, I was in, wasn't it? What oh, they called it? You are right. You are right. Yeah. It's called the it's called the command. I remember seeing some of the um, some of the early production art where the idea was that the the lights themselves would be sort of mobile. That they're these sort of. Uh, light-emitting spiders that crawl over oh. the inside of the ship, and so the lights would always be in different spots. Oh, that's that, that must have made it a real nightmare for the crew to yeah, uh, so deal with that. So interesting. But yeah, it turns out that the ship that they immediately recognize for some reason or the other is the, the Zelbinon, who's, which has been the, lost for a hundred years. The Zelbinian. Zelbinian, sorry, that's right. That's, yeah. what, uh, that's, what, that's what Rigel identifies it as. Yes. Like, he's the one who recognizes it on site, despite the fact the identity of the ship is a, is a, is a bit of a mystery to, to, to most on the uh, on the on, on the command, like we have another one of those moments where they're all trying to work out a consensus. Reverse course. We leave here now. John wants to get out there. Yeah, no kidding. Like, shouldn't we be doing warp a thousand by now? Once yep. he realized it's peacekeeper. GTFO. Uh, yeah, exactly. Zan is is in the same boat, but I think it's Dargo uh, who wants to look. Yes, for... he wants to go looking for weapons and supplies and just right, basically exactly. loot the ship. And the more modest uh, uh, approach of trying to find like maps. And I say that there's information on her data spools that could lead us home. Something that that Crichton still uh, that, hasn't uh, really invested yeah. a lot of time in. Yeah, I, I, was, I was surprised. That actually comes up a little bit later when they're at the yeah. when they're inside the ship, and like Crichton completely ignores it. There's like nothing about it. Like I, is, I'd have thought that he would be more enthusiastic exactly. about that as well. Yes, like he is so far beyond the idea of ever getting back. Like he just doesn't care about the maps, and everybody else cares much more about getting him home than he does. Go away. Go home, home, go home, shoot. The, and they don't care don't, a lot. No, that's very true. It's still mentioned every time in the uh, opening crawl, so... Erin is, like, you see on her face, she is in a different... She responds to this very differently than, than, than everybody else because this is, like, her culture. This is her people. She mm. needs to know who this is. And I need to know who she is. And Rigel, of all people, has the answer. It's the Selbinian. Which then she recognizes and goes, like, oh, that ship was lost a hundred years, a uh, hundred cycles ago. Like it's a it's a ship with with some renown. Like even the uh, even the Luxons know, know it. about it, yes. and it was considered undefeatable. Although it's never mentioned what it does or what it was supposed to do or where it was used, what it was used for, other than as a prisoner, also a prisoner ship used yeah, to torture Rigel. Because that's where he spent like the first years of his uh, cycles yeah. of his uh, of his life being uh, being Not tortured. Of his life of his banishment of his yeah. imprisonment. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Crichton is the one who he tries once again to be a, a little bit of the voice of reason. Like this thing got shot to shit. Imagine what the winner of this fight looks like. <laughs> Think how big the winner of this battle must be. Yeah. And let's not find out. 
Yeah, yeah, we never find out what's actually went on with the ship and how it happens. So they decide to get on board the ship. And I love this shot where you have, like, Tentacles walking down the corridor with his keyblade. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to stop you there. So his, his quarter blade, the bad right. sword that he sharpens with crusty right. dishcloth, you were calling that the keyblade, which is a reference to Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Kay, you are so good at this. They should have hired you to write Crichton's lines. <laughs> Followed by Erin, uh, also carrying her big gun. Like, actually a bigger gun, I think. She, like, she's moved on from the, from the star They're modification. They're getting bigger every time, and right? It's, like, it's turning more into uh, aliens right now with like the the big side carry uh, Yeah, you're right. She's uh, like Vasquez. Yep. Except she sort of looks like, like come on, Eileen, with her... <laughs> You yes. know what I mean with her suspenders. And last in line is Crichton carrying a torch. So I thought that was kind of like a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's his own little his own little lightsaber, a little flashlight, and it's uh... as they're walking down the hallway of Moya and then just straight up into the Zelbinian because apparently like Moya is docking directly this time. Yeah. Did you notice how like there's no airlock, there's no docking collar or whatever. It's completely. It's just, Hand waved, how it happens, how it's I mean, you done. Can, well, you can you can sort of see it. Like they She's, walk down a hallway, yeah. and then uh, down down an- the next hallway is the exterior hatch, and they just walk in there. Like, I mean, maybe Moya just opens a sphincter on the outside, and I, that's what I was thinking. Like she's got just one yeah. of her one of her side puckers just opens up, up and against the. <laughs> she's 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 giving the Zelbinian like a, a docking kiss. Yes, and they go well, docking snog. No, we can do this. <laughs> a docking snog. But yeah, it changes immediately because, like, you don't have the like the organic ribs or whatever you want to call them that no, Moya has all rectangular. Over and suddenly, yeah, it, the lighting turns blue, and it's like it's all straight corridors, and it's uh, yeah, it's like you're on dark, the nos- it's on the Nostromo. There's 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 gratings, there's leaking, there's pipes all over the place. You know, it's so cool that you said the Nostromo, which is the the, the mining vessel from uh, uh, the first Alien film, um, because from from very early point, uh, uh, a lot of the sort of vision for for Farscape among the among the producers was like halfway between Star Wars and Alien, mm-hmm. right? Even and we've seen mostly Star Wars. We've seen mostly the, like the Cantina. Yeah. And we've seen the sort of fanciful organic architecture, and uh, uh, they sort of wanted to get to something that was fantastic and adventurous, but also uh, like a lot more earthy and a little bit more menacing. I mean, both Star Wars and Alien have this lived-in look, yes, which exactly. is like so, so completely diametrically opposed to Star Trek, which is like all pristine and... Yes, yeah, it's all polished. And yeah. yeah, I watched all kinds of Star Trek. Everything in Star Wars and in Alien looks used. It looks old, it looks repaired. It looks like someone like thought about maintaining it and then had something better to do. Yes. Come on, baby! Why don't you just get it fixed? I did fix it! That's why it works when I whack it a few times! And it's something that uh, Aaron is very nostalgic about as they're walking through these dark hallways, these dark dripping hallways that sort of look like, okay, when you when you were in, in, in school, like like secondary school, like high school, you ever been to your school when it was dark? Like mm, yes, with the with the lights out. Like yeah. I, I mean, I did. I was I was a theater nerd, and yeah. so we'd occasionally walk down, and it was such a weird world. That's what I thought about okay. as as she was walking to because yeah, this is this is a spaceship, and when yeah. the spaceship has the lights out. It just feels like the soul's gone, like it's a it's a yeah. graveyard. I see what you mean. I mean, that's very aptly said because, like, it doesn't take very long before they find their their first corpse. Whoa! Which is lying on top of a grate, and it's kind of like leaking stuff. There's a there's a good little fright moment for uh, for Crichton when he yep. uh, uh, turns up his flashlight and he sees this uh, uh, this desiccated like mummified corpse. And okay, so it is there is water dripping everywhere. Yes. There's water dripping past this corpse. Aaron says, "Oh, deep space desiccation." No, it's not been in vacuum or anything. At least we. I don't suspect it has been. I mean, there's no... Well, oh, oh. Uh, so there have has been some reference to, like, a lot of the ship is exposed to vacuum. Yeah. Uh, a pilot recommends that you stay starboard and high. Oh, yes. So they did, yeah. yeah. So there might have been, like, areas which have been uh, not... Uh, on the other hand, starboard and high is the pa- part that is sticking out of the rings and not the part that is getting battered by the rings of this planet there around. I wonder, like, what is high relative to... To the axis of the ship or to the axis of the planet? I would think so. Because you wouldn't be able to No, exactly. It makes more sense to do it in reference to the layout of the ship. Right. Just like starboard is, like, in reference to the ship. Um, Oh, yeah, uh, exactly. So high means, like, yeah, stay stay on the top side. Hey, can I just just make a little observation about about us? 
this is like we're really on point in describing this episode. We're not being very silly. No. Do you notice that? So this it's it's a, been fairly serious so far. It's this a really serious episode, yeah. right? You can you can even hear that in how we're how we're talking about it. Like he encounters a corpse, uh, deep space desiccation, um, and and then we're back on the bridge, and and Zan yeah, is, Zan's playing Ouija board on the console. <laughs> Yes. The giant Ouija board says uh, optimum plus three. And she's noticing some strange behavior about uh, uh, about Rigel as well. Like I expected you to go looting, Rigel. Oh, yeah. I don't loot. I'm the, the, the or, or I shouldn't. I shouldn't stoop. That's what he said. I shouldn't stoop so low. Well, you did stoop to the last like three, which I noticed. So apparently, they've been having a little bit of a history of like looting ships and of like finding, finding derelicts and yeah. Or was it four? Like, are you finding these left and right? Like, how how many derelict ships are there out of space? How easy are there to find? Yeah, and this is completely glossed over that apparently this is a thing that they've been doing. We haven't seen that. This is the first time we've seen them uh, board a different ship, especially in a way like this with a, with a derelict ship. But he explains that like he is terrified of that uh, uh, of that ship right. because that's where, where he, he was, was tortured after he was dis- disposed I believe disposed. we called him <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, we're gonna keep that I mean one. if you can get indisposed I mean I suppose you can be disposed <laughs> Yes, he's the he's the No, that that one doesn't make sense. No. The, dis, the dispost ruler. <laughs> um, they uh, the the crew on on board the Zelbinian they make it on through the uh, through essentially the mausoleum onto the on, onto the command of the command carrier and like I noticed that this is a redress of the set where uh, where Crace. Uh, uh, stomped about in the first episode because oh. like, he was in command of command carriers. Well. Right. Like, that was also a ship. And, and also, they, they have this weird like organic growth all over the place, which is completely not mentioned at all. There's like these weird, I don't know what it was. It kind of like looked, looked like it got what overgrown. You mean. It, sort of, it sort of looks like a thorny limb yeah, of a tree. Yeah, a termite mound or something like that. I think maybe that's supposed to be just a lump of like some sheet metal that fell down yeah. or sort of like, well pockmarked or whatever. But yeah, it does sort of feel like like jungly as they're as they're walking around here and noticing like it has been stripped bare yeah even the star charts are gone oh okay well just the, a quick announcement for the the readers at home we are joined by a special guest case cat who is in the throes of the fourth sensation yes hunger <laughs> hunger this is where we learn about Creighton's disinterest in star charts all of a sudden because Aaron mentions right, this and it's yeah. like he completely glosses over it. It's like not mentioned at all. He's much more interested in the corpse he sees there lying around. Yeah, uh, uh, and there's and there's quite a lot of them. Now it, it does sort of make sense that the the crew would have gone down with their ship yeah. and they would have concentrated in the in the in the command. And yet they find a living person. Oh, the dead are alive. The the los 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 muertos vivas están. And one of them, like one of these corpses, sort of jumps out at him because it was being used as a disguise by yeah. someone who's uh, who's still alive. Lots of like gun gun waving and threatening ensues. But Crichton pretty much jumps right in front of the the person involved when Aaron points a gun at her. No! No! As soon as he realized, oh, it's a girl. What, you're a girl? I'm going to open the door for you? Yes. I must protect her with my, my masculine jockey body. I must I must stand in front of all this violence being directed at this poor girl. And uh, Aaron and this, uh, well, the PK Tech girl, I suppose, which the episode yes. is named after, have a little standoff. And it uh, turns out that she's like a, a techie, immediately getting bullied by Aaron. We've got the credits, which is which is always like a good moment to take a little breather and sort of look at the the, the cold open as it's uh, as it's known. We oh, yeah. have the uh, uh, we have the cold open it where was we're a fairly long one, wasn't it? Yeah, there's quite a few scenes. Like they they actually make it onto the command. That's a good observation. I wonder if they're usually longer or shorter. I've never really paid attention. I think the longest cold open is probably still one of the episodes the- of Breaking Bad. Where, oh. they're like, where they're about like halfway into the episode before they do the. <laughs> that could be well. Oh, I think the OA has them has them be uh. the fantastic uh, Netflix series where you make it through like forty five minutes of the fifty minute opening episode and then there's the credits and like when that happened and then there's like five <laughs> minutes of episodes left. Like oh, oh wow. So uh, uh, on the bridge we have we have Aaron pacing back and forth doing the the sort of Arlie Ermy um, oh what's it called the the, the drill sergeant thing yes, which, which, he, sergeant which he actually team. gets called by uh, Creighton. Why don't you give it a rest, Miss Drill Sergeant? And Creighton, Creighton, God, you've got me saying Creighton now. Creighton. Creighton. <laughs> In this moment, I was with Aaron. I'm, I, I, like, she calls him out on it. 
This is my world, John. Don't interfere. He's an alien here, and he should shut the hell up. And she's totally drilling this poor little tech girl, like, who are you, what is your rank, who are you working for? Turns out she is from uh, the Mad Commander's ship. Yes. She's, she's from, from her ship. They know each other. And this is a like a pretty terrifying bit of news, and and, and she's lucky that Dargo is off doing something else uh, uh, that he doesn't like immediately decide to execute her to, to cover their tracks, because he's so busy for, for foraging, I'm sorry, Furging. Have you noticed his his accent in this? Opportunistic foragers. Like I've noticed it before. How how Dargo says that the uncharted territories, and now oh. they're furging in the uncharted territories. No, I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> I did notice, however, that uh, when he's like he goes off into check the rat chamber or whatever it is, and he he almost does this judo roll off screen. Uh, <laughs> And he yeah. just like ducks into the chamber, and he ducks away. It does that, yeah. It, it's almost like he rips off his shirt and does a James T. Kirk exactly. overall very good. Yeah. Crichton sort of stands up for uh, for the PK Tech girl, uh, for which he eventually uh, thanks him. That he he says that he tries to save one life uh, every day, and it's usually his own. Yeah, I thought that was rather amusing. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have a little we have a little aside between uh, between Rigel and Zan again, mm-hmm. where she advises him to confront his his demons. Like yes, he's afraid like, of it. And I think I was meant to die here the first time. That's why the spirits have brought me back to the Selbinian. He's like he's probably dead on board the ship, and it's like he goes like he's not dead to me, and then and then she could go find him and confront him. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like okay. So she's a she's a priest. Find his corpse; it will set you free. This is a this is like a thirty second scene. It's not a big deal. And she says, "Oh, do you know what you should do? You should go on that ship on your own and find a fucking corpse, and then you'll feel better." Hey, yeah. if you go and find a corpse, you'll feel better. Oh, that's, that's kind of whack advice. No, I can see that. I can understand that. Like she she understands that he that that commander is like part of his demons, and like the yeah. fact that he has still has trouble with, and he doesn't even dare go there, and probably like seeing that person dead is probably a good way to put it behind him. It's like. Everything you're saying makes sense. I mean, yes, that 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 does seem like sound therapeutic advice. But after a more rigorous diagnosis than, oh, I'm scared of something. Oh, you should go find a corpse to make yourself feel better. Like, why is that the first it's, thing that she goes it's not for? Just a corpse. It's the corpse of this guy who tortured him. Any old him. corpse. Yeah. Just go and find a corpse yeah. and just piss on it, and you'll feel great. Like, well, pissing it seem, doesn't seem to be his thing. It seems to be spitting. Seems, it seems to be, to be more. Yes, he does exactly. that. He does that. A few times in this episode where he just, like, hocks up something, like, brown and goopy and, like, spits it first in the face of our tech girl. Uh, yeah, Jelena. We've learned her oh, name. Yes. And he shows himself, just like everybody else that we've met in space so far, to be a huge racist. Uh, uh, that he considers it, uh, like, a great accomplishment for himself that he, like, shares his living quarters with one of these abominations, yes, being the Sebations. I've barely got used to sharing my accommodation with one of these abominations. Dispel the thought of two. Well, they're having this little argument, and uh, this is where Tentacles shows up again. He runs into screen, then oh, he yeah. goes like, well, tell her to cooperate or kill her, and then he judo rolls off screen again. It's like, I just <laughs> yes. noticed this was like... <laughs> because the ship has been... Has been gutted to worthlessness. Worthlessness. And he's just <laughs> running left and right and just like <laughs> ducking into corridors and running yes. onto scene, off scene again. It's <laughs> he is so cool, and I really want him to say like Worcestershire sauce at some point and <laughs> just see what that sounds like and we find out some more details of of uh, the pk tech girl being left behind because oh, i missed that okay so uh, she's from crazy ship yeah and she was sort of left there to do uh, uh, to do tests on this craft while crace went on because crace is clearly still obsessed yes uh, well, she specifically uh, mentioned that like you killed his brother and he goes like it was an accident we bumped into each other it could have been gone the other way but it was an accident that was an accident it was an accident that was an accident it was an accident. I'm telling you, it must have been an accident. Yeah, like, like apparently Crace just gave a shipwide PA and announced to everyone, we're, we're chasing my brother's murderer, and so we're abandoning my mission. Yes. And heading into the, un- er, sorry, the Urncher territories as... <laughs> it's as it's not Dargo who's them. saying it, yes. <laughs> 
And and what's even worse, like they find another uh, uh, corpse at this point, but this isn't one of these space desiccated, uh, uh, wet mummies that no, we've seen so far. No, it's a burnt corpse, which somehow Jelena immediately recognizes, despite the fact that it's burnt to a crisp, which I thought was impressive skill. He's toast. I sort of imagined that she was there when he was burned. Oh, that's possible. Right? She was, uh, because that, that was the person who was guarding their crew, the rest of whom was, was also killed. And Aaron recognized the officer as well as someone from her unit. Like, why is he doing this? This is Grot's work. Do you notice know, that? Like, Grot for Grunt? Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. I missed that one as well. And Angelina reveals that in her absence, her entire unit has been demoted and they can only be reinstated. Once Aaron's dead, yes. That is some hardcore, like... Punishment, yeah. The Romans didn't even do that. They just do, you know, yeah, decimation. Kill, kill one, of, one, of, one in ten of your own people and... Uh, yeah, and then back to work. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Oof. Now get back to work. There's a little bit of wandering around, exploring the ship. Huge, like that location is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I I believe that some of the scenes. I don't know if that goes for all of these, but some of these scenes were filmed in an old power plant in in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 huge cavernous spaces. I think this was the first time, honestly, that I've seen huge cavernous spaces in a in a spaceship before. I remember being sort of blown away by. I know that like since then it's become more popular, like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek film, which was also filmed in I think a brewery at one point. Well, I mean, there was like the inside of the the Death Star where they were flying around in it. I mean, that was a huge cavernous space inside a spaceship. But the superstructure, yeah, yeah, you're right. But like walking around in yeah. giant spaces because yeah. when you think of a, a spacecraft inside of, inside of Bespin that was not really a spacecraft it was, but, yeah. it was intra-atmospheric you yeah. could still breathe because that's kind of the thing yeah. you'd expect it to be like firewalled and fire floored mm, I guess very good point yeah I, I absolutely marveled at these huge spaces where they were shining their their flashlights and sort of and sort of exploring and, and and he was really confronting just how impressive peacekeeper engineering is. And after Dargo has done his running off screen again, he now makes his way <laughs> this back. Is not a judo role. Yeah, he ma- he manages his way back onto Moira, Hoo-ha. where uh, another ship shows up. The, the ship that attacked the Zelbinian after Jelena and her and her uh, research crew were were on board uh, has returned and it's, and it's a and it's a species known as the Sheyang. Darko has identified yeah. a lot of their uh, like telltale signs of these Sheyang. It's the Sheyang. There's evidence of their work all over their ship. Who are uh, consummate like right, especially the fire burn, the, the burning to a crisp of the. Uh... Yeah, they're they're opportunistic scavengers. The Sheyang are nothing more than opportunistic foragers. Who burn people. And they start powering up their weapons, and I believe it's Zahn who says, like, we need to show strength or something. Uh, or was it Dargo oh, who let said me, that? Oh, let me think about that. Yeah. Like, I think it's, I think it's Dargo. Yes, he has. Dargo knows the, knows the Sheyang. Like, they, they flee from strength, right. and they attack on, on, on weakness. Because Zahn advises, like, maybe we should tell them we're peaceful and we don't have any oh, yeah. weapons. And then because, he says, like, that's know. not going to work now. Well, they'll attack us if they think we're weak. And well, what do they have to do? They don't have any weapons. Nope. Moya doesn't have any weapons. They're they're the the Sheyang have weapons that are far too powerful. The Zelbinian might have weapons, but yeah, none of them work. They've all been stripped apparently, because like the the ship was already being uh, looted. But there is one system still working. Uh, they noticed some lights on the on the bridge, and that's the defense screen. Yes. Now, unfortunately, it's on what. Uh, uh, what Crichton recognizes as a progressive power draw. Hey, Crichton actually did some science here. He, I mean, he even claims about, like, I did my PhD on that. And, like, uh, and Jelena asks, what's that? Oh, they just put some letters at the end of your name. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> yes, I mean, he's, he's kind of right. True, but he doesn't and bother he... explaining that it's like a research subject or anything, which would be just as easy. But well, That's a good point. Like, he could say, oh, it's it's like ranks for science. Oh, yeah, that's a very good way to point. And she'd yeah. understand. No, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, then, because she's like a maintenance provost. Tremco support, maintenance provost. It's like a sanitation engineer, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. Assistant deputy food science engineer of burger flipping. Speaking of flipping, uh, uh, Rigel, in the meantime, has been exploring the ship and he has encountered a ghost. Yes. He's seen a vision. He sees the ghost of his tormentor, basically. Yeah, the, the feared Captain Durker. 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 Hey, Durker! Work for Durker. I think it's like some sort of like communication thing that gets activated and like starts suddenly playing a message of the guy. Or do you think it's entirely... Really? Fl- or do you think it's just a flashback? 
it sort of looked like we were seeing his memory right. of, of Durka. My first my first thought that it was like a wel- a welcome message from that guy, but it could have also just been all okay, in his mind. Okay, so just 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 to run by it, your idea is that the captain of the of the Zelbinian recorded a welcome message for people like newly on board that was just yeah. activated, and that welcome message went "Welcome, Rigel, to your doom" or did whatever the was, fuck. Did, like, did he specifically mention his name? Hello, Rigel. I'm greatly disappointed in you. Welcome home. It's kind of like the thing that like, a sadistic commander of a prisoner ship would like, record for people who are like, now shuttled on board and like, let them know that they are doomed. And so into this. I'm so into this idea that like, Janina, Jelena and her, and her team walked on board and they were, and they were treated to like a bim, bim, bim. Welcome to the Zelbinian. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, thank you for the welcome. Welcome to your doom. <laughs> they, they seem to be that kind of asshole. The job now is to get the defense screen back up and running. Uh, yeah, up and running. And and Crichton has said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna help Jelena." Uh, and once they're alone and getting the getting the work done, like apparently he recognized it as a progressive power draw, and it makes sense to him. I and, don't yeah, there's the a little bit of, there's a little about. bit of techno babble there, and they they have a little connecting moment where you can see them like bonding over the uh, repairs that need to be done. Yeah, and this is getting closer. This to becomes it as well. very obvious. I mean, I even thought for a moment that uh, Jelena and uh, Aaron were like being a little bit flirtatious with each other at some point. Oh yeah, there was a there was a lot of sort of grunty like yeah, so eye little, frelling, a little bit of sweaty eye fucking going on there between those two. <laughs> yeah, that. Was uh, that wasn't even indeed really hot? I mean, she does she does show some vulnerability. Like Jelena admits that she's not very confident in whether she can actually pull this off. And Crichton goes like, "Well, why didn't you tell anyone?" I didn't want to be executed for failing to try. Oh, that's like tells us a lot about the peacekeeper mentality. Yeah, and Crichton puts his foot down and he and he and he tells this 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 young woman, "Hey, we're not like that." And he tells her, "We are not killers." Well, well, uh, Crichton. Like, mm, let's let's take a little look at what what we've done in the in the past few episodes. Like, we will kill them all. No, no, no. Kill. I'm going to kill him. Kill anyone? I killed a fellow soldier. I'll torture him, then I'll kill him. I would still have preferred killing them on the spot. They're not okay. Sure, they're not wanton killers, but they're not not killers. True. I mean, I mean, it's all pretty much been in self-defense. Has it all been? Actually, I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking about like thrown for a loss, where where even Bekesh, you know, the staple head, goes like, "Oh, yeah. you didn't kill any of my men." Yeah, you didn't kill them. Guess I'm not that kind of a guy. Exactly. They all seem killed they- anyone. Well, hey. nothing that jumps out at me, but right. I mean, I mean, Dave, there was a lot of shooting in that episode, which uh, may be a little telling for for us that we can just tolerate the killing of an alien creature and and not really. Yeah. Okay, so the episodes we had, I E T, nobody really. They didn't really kill anyone. No. Well, he shoveled some people over the head, and they almost definitely had an aneurysm. Yeah. Ugh. Yes, but so okay, so definitely Crichton definitely killed some people with a shovel. That's his preferred. That's how he likes to kill. Uh, Exodus from Genesis. No. Well, he killed some bugs, but they're not people. No. Yeah, and they were they were okay. We had thrown for a loss. Then the next one was back and back and back to the future. Also, no killing. So oh, like they've been maybe pretty, they aren't killers. They've been pretty good for that. Yeah. Well, let's hope that this trend continues for the rest of the series, and they're and they're all all wonderful. Pacifists. And in, thank God it's Friday again. Like several people got hit over the head, but again, I don't think anybody was killed. I mean, Dargo's keyblade must not be particularly effective. <laughs> God, oh, God, I know that you're going to keep calling it that, and every time it's going to get me. Meanwhile, on the Chiang ship, there's a change yeah. of command. Now, the Sheyang, I thought it was so cool to see them again because we'd seen them before. They looked a bit like Sullustans, but other than that, where did we see them before? Okay, so they were very briefly in the in the background in uh, like the first episode oh, of the, the Commerce Planet. When they're on the marketplace Yes, exactly. Thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Zan's talking to one of those fish heads and like uh, Douglas Kemper or, or whoever it was went, oh, that one, that one, polish that up. We're going to write an episode about uh, those. They look so cool. Yep. Like, I thought they had such an interesting culture that was presented because they had this... I mean, just just an awful ship with lots of steam, just yes. like uh, just like the Zelbinian, frankly. I mean, the Zelbinian like is probably there because it's been shot at and like 
I mean, now in it's terms of, I mean, in terms of uh, like aesthetic, oh, as a okay. sort of yeah, production yeah. point of view, like well, it's even, even more because it's much more crowded. There's ducts and pipes and yeah. uh, stuff running all over the place. And they had and, the sort of like uh, first World War leather like pilots' helmets. Caps, yeah, although it's very hard to see where their, their helmets stop and their skin begins. And then we've got Hatch Guy, Hatch which guy. I've noticed. Evron, yes. I, I mean, you only ever see him sticking his head out of the hatch and, it, like, talking to people. He's that, the ceiling cat yes. of the Cheyenne. <laughs> Yeah, we like it's. There's an interesting sort of power dynamic where the more experienced captain sort of advises caution, and he's like first in command, a younger sort of upstart uh, who wants to prove himself. Even you, at your age, have never claimed such a prize. Actually, sort of shovels him over the head and and takes command. Yes, there's a fish fight. <laughs> oh God, I think this is when they start shooting at each other, isn't it? Ever. Prepare to attack! There's a scene where uh, Crichton and Jelena are, are working on refixing the ship, and he's got this cute little, like, creme brulee torch which he's using to uh, <laughs> try, try to solder the cables back in place or anything. <laughs> yeah, it's adorable. And, uh, he, is the, he is the Brad to Jelena Jolie, which is... Oh, yeah, is that what we're calling her? Okay. Well... Uh, I mean, not if you're going to respond to it like that. Like, well, I thought, okay, <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine. It's clearly, I'm sure I'm com- going to come up with something better than Jolina Jolie, which I think was probably the best that I had. Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> uh, do you notice how there was a lot of sci-fi music through this episode? Oh no, I didn't. Well, okay, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to be mean about the, the the makers of the music for the for the show who generally do a, a really good job, but like there was a lot of these sort of tender moments or quiet moments where we saw where we where you got a lot of like synthesizing, okay, like it, it was kind when of the, when, very when they were eye fucking each other and uh... speaking of eye fucking, wow, I'm gonna have to bleep out a lot this episode. Oh. Uh, uh, she got some sparks in her eye and she backed against Crichton. Oh yes. and there was this really cute, sort yeah, of, really cute sort of moment yeah. where. Little, little reminded me a little bit of that scene in uh, The Empire Strikes Back where uh, Leia and Han Solo get thrown into each other again. And he's like almost an exact mirror of that, actually. You're right. You're right. Like he's pressed up behind her while they're yep. pro- and they've focusing got, like, on the repairs. And then, oh, oh, suddenly, oh. Suddenly she's in his arms. And- Pressing against each other. And that's when she observes that, oh, apparently human and sebation males are not so different. It seems human and sebation men are much the same. Yes. <laughs> So he's got a little he's got a little science boner. Yes, I think he has. Also what I noticed, like like Moya is a big ship. But yes. compared to the Zabation, she's tiny. The, the Zelbinian. Zelbinian, sorry. Even the big ones go down. She's minuscule in comparison. Yep. It's it's so huge. Yeah, like over a metro long at least. Uh, uh, yeah, no wonder they're uh, they're scared of these guys, and also no wonder that uh, uh, that Crichton is worried about ever encountering the winner of this fight again. Oh yes, whoever it was that shot up the uh, the Zalbinian, I'll get it right this time now. <laughs> Very good. But the next person who's going to shoot up the the Zalbinian is the uh, is the Sheyang, who like. They've tried to open fire before, and then they were rebuffed when Zan very cleverly turned on the vid screen just as Dargo was letting loose his frustration. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll rip out your throat. I will shit down your neck. I will. And then he switched helpfully to Luxon. I spit on your grave, you sons of cowards. I rip out your throat. Pilot, transmit his image to the Cheyenne vessel. But what would they do it? A Luxon? We're fighting a Luxon! Terminate plasma! Terminate plasma attack! That must have been quite a tricky scene to film actually just like for, for an actor Such to keep up that kind job. of rant in a language which as we know doesn't really exist i mean right, i don't yeah. think there's an actual made-up luxon language so they're just like yeah just wing it i wonder if he did it himself i wonder if anthony yeah. simcoe sort of came up with the with the or, sounds or, or, for or there's it. just like this huge off-scene teleprompter which is like <laughs> like just read this and just blabber and wave your tentacles around for a little bit i mean it was proper intimidating and, no, the, and yeah. the old captain was intimidated but uh, there has since been a fish fight and the uh, uh, the, fish fight. 
the younger yeah. upstart took over and, just, and and is not so easily intimidated. And he's been shooting Zilbinian and uh, Moya, of course. And yes. they just in time managed to raise the shield so that this fire weapon that they're firing at the ship is successfully deflected. It was so cool. Like, it, it's this sort of electric red sheath that uh, uh, that flies around the, the Zelbinian. I've never seen anything like it. No. It's so it's so weird because and yes it's full of gaps because a proper defense shield is two systems overlapping so that there are no gaps if you yeah. only run the one then yeah there are these these multiple or you can just like have a single one that doesn't have gaps but you know that would be even better okay so you're a defense screen specialist now are well, you you're a you're a peacekeeper I mean, that's, that's how I would design okay one. well tell me how you would design it PK without Tech gaps. boy without gaps but that's that's <laughs> like the front fell off well yes right the front shouldn't have fallen off yeah well the front clearly did well maybe maybe this is just how the science works out okay so so how many hey are there are there uh, precedents in in earth science you know a lot about like space travel and stuff like are we, there we don't have engineering force fields no we don't have force like the best fields. wheels like the idea of a force field is that you like build some sort of electromagnetic uh, reference wall. Right. And the easiest way to do that is to build a brick wall. It's like doing that by with electricity and power, it just doesn't work. Yeah, like nobody's yeah. ever been able to manage to do that. Anything just like Just actual it. Yeah. walls generally no. do better. Yeah. No, I mean, in general, like, are there systems that, that we know um, where you need two of them for it to work because one of them really kind of doesn't, doesn't really do it very well? Well, it, in, generally speaking, um, in firewalls, it is recommended to have two. Right. Uh, specifically from different vendors, because then one of them can protect the other one against the back doors that the vendor of the first one built in, or like if you know. Oh well, couldn't they have been designed without back doors? Well, they were they were they were made without gifts. They were designed without back doors, but you know when they, when these things get made in China, sometimes like you know the Chinese government gets them in, or a checkpoint is made by the Israeli. So the Mossad probably has a a backdoor in that and the Cisco firewalls are made in the US so the wow. CIA probably has a backdoor in that so hey Kate do you want to maybe start a different podcast about this because this you is, asked <laughs> I did I did but it, it just sort of sounds like mistakes are made and that's why you take two it wasn't it wasn't built and it had gaps in it. It was designed to have gaps in it, which you wouldn't do with a force field. Unless there were benefits to having gaps yeah, in force so that field, means like, like, like not overloading well, or yeah, okay, but crushing the ship that it's in. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe if you had a perfect defense sure, screen, I'm, that I'm it would sure, eventually. I'm, I'm sure we can make up some reason why it isn't meant to be like that. Yes, yes, yes. We absolutely, we absolutely should. But, we... but I don't think we should go and make up techno babble for the show. You know, it's like <sighs> you're you are very right because this is usually a very techno babble light show. Yeah. And I'm just coming at it with sort of Star Trek sensibilities. Whew. Thank you for uh, uh, yanking my leash. So, on a little side note here, I noticed yes. that like I'm not sure if this was accidental or not. But uh, at one point during this encounter, um, Zahn refers to pilot as the pilot. So he uses the definite yes. article. Yeah. Which they almost, which I don't think they've done before. It's always been pilot rather than the pilot. Now, I'd be, I'd be content to like call that a little slip of the tongue yeah. early in the series. But when Zahn and Dargo were first under, under threat, like they were talking about abandoning Moya. Yes. Uh, and and retreating to the Zelbinian, which could could withstand like more fire yes. uh, within sort of earshot of the of the, of the clamshell. They were talking about Moya like a like a ship. Yeah. So maybe like Zan was in that headspace and thinking about pilot as the pilot as right. just a staff member. And then of course you'd have to convince pilot to come with them as well, which I don't think he would. I mean, he's bonded to Moya, so right. Yeah. But like they get sort of called back from that because. Pilot appears in his in his clamshell and he says, Dargo, Zan, Moya and I are very afraid of fire. Oh yes. And like, oh, I mean, when you when you hear that, you can't flee, can no, you? No, like, there's like he's, he's like he sounds very timid and like yeah, a little afraid. Well, clearly afraid. Yeah, which is what they're being threatened with. Like yeah, they're these these plasma projector weapons, but. Moya is, like, she's a living being. She's an animal. Yeah. I don't know necessarily that that's the right word, but... Mm, yeah. And she's afraid of fire, and she doesn't want to be hurt. No. And yeah, okay, of course. So they sort of abandoned the idea of abandoning Moya very quickly. Um, but the Sheyang, whose attack has just been uh, rebuffed by the uh, a gappy defense screen that the Zelbinian has wrapped around itself and tiny, tiny Moya, they decide on a, on a new strategy because the old captain, Turak... Yes. has uh, reawoken and... Apparently he was not dead, he was just, like, knocked unconscious, and he takes back control of his ship. Answer to me, Lomus. 
with such grace and 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 menace at the same time like he doesn't like immediately execute his his uh, his subordinate nope. like okay you committed mutiny to displace an overlord during battle and then fail and you failed that's a problem like <laughs> yes. one of those would have been okay but not both yes. <laughs> yes and he basically gives him a chance to redeem himself yeah by leading the boarding party and i thought that was such a cool shot when you've got these little yes. these revolver cartridges on the outside yes, of the, the ship bullet and bullet pods, pods that are being which fired are, yeah they're, they're being rotated into the launcher and then fired off at uh, moya because the plan is to like fly through the gaps in the defense screen and uh, board yep. her the gaps are moving and you have to come in at speed. So, yeah, it's a, it's a kamikaze run. Perhaps one day they will sing songs of your early death. <laughs> Meanwhile, Creighton and um, Jelena are having a little moment. Oh, they're having another little moment. Yes, you? but this time they're kiss, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. <laughs> it was a real, like, jock and cheerleader oh, moment. Oh, it was so, it was just of. like, and they're leading to it, and it's like, oh, yeah, will they, won't they, will they, oh, oh. am I going to kiss, oh, yes, they're kissing, <laughs> oh, and of course, at this point, Aaron shows up. Sorry for interrupting! Grunty, sweaty, <laughs> hairy Aaron shows up, and she's been carrying the heavy things back and forth, like she's moving yep. the other half of the defense screen onto Moya. Uh, uh, and so it's like, oh no, this is this is fine. This is I'm not emotionally invested in this Please at all. Please go on ahead. Look, hey, what happened back there was none of my business. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She stalks off. Uh, Creighton runs after her while she's carrying this big crate over her head. I'm sure you can see how heavy these things are. There's at least another ten in there. Do not come down this corridor without one. Walking she makes down the a real corridor. point of just oh, yes. carrying it extra muscular. And each time he stops her, she puts it down, and then they have a short argument, and then she lifts it up again, and then 10 meters further down the corridor, she puts it down again, and they have, an, <laughs> have they continue their argument. And Aaron's clearly jealous. And like yeah. she kind of confesses that like at the, in, the, in the beginning, she kind of saw something in... Uh, yeah, that he was interested. Creighton. In the beginning, I found you interesting. Me. Yes, but only for a moment. They did have some of that chemistry earlier on as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it seems that, like, oh, just a little pair of PK uh, tech girl eyes and, like, and suddenly like, all his over the heart place. Is, yeah. yeah. I mean, clearly he just wants he just wants more science somehow because ah, yeah, yes, that has been so well established. He's so clearly the scientist yes. of the bunch. Obviously, he'd be attracted to. Uh, but I I kind of like that they were that they were honest with each other for a change. That hasn't right. happened for a yeah, and they're going to often. science the heck out of it. I am a scientist. You know, there is somebody else throughout all of this that we haven't really paid a lot of attention to, yeah. and that's Rigel is continuing with his quest of confrontation. Yes, he's ha- he's continuing to have these these flashbacks as he's as he's going through the ship, like, and we and we see the torture that he suffered at the hands of of, of Captain Durka, which was just a little bit of getting punched around. Yeah, while while he was sitting inside like okay, a birdcage, cage. yes, <laughs> uh, again in his underwear. That's my underwear. The same woolies that he's still wearing after a hundred cycles. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is he is aquatic, so he probably I suppose that accidentally makes sense. rinsed. And uh, Zahn actually has to like coax him out from under the console or some wherever it is he that he's hiding. Yeah, uh, and uh, convince him to yeah but go back into the ship. Hey, what did I tell you? Go and find a corpse. Yeah, find his corpse. That, hey, any corpse will make you feel better. Make peace, just, make peace with the corpse. Just piss on the corpse, and you'll feel great. Whereas, I feel like we watched different episodes. Like, I, well, I didn't see any corpse pissing, but you know, <laughs> spitting, yes, but um, a lot of spitting, yeah. and not just from Rigel. Oh yes, because our Sheyang alien has uh, made its way on board the ship and is now brutalizing his way towards the others, not carrying a rifle because nope. he can breathe fire. He's a fucking dragon. They spit fire. They spit fire. They spit fire. <laughs> How come nobody tells me this time? How come nobody tells me they spit fire? Aaron! Hey, Aaron, I love how his big point is like, why doesn't anybody tell us this shit? Yes, I mean, part of it is probably like things are assumed for that he knows these things or yeah, something. we said Sheyang. Yeah. Come on. Sheyang victim. Burned to death. Everybody knows Sheyang breathed fire. We knew they were like being burnt. And like, of course they did that like with their mouths, not with their guns. Like... 
the things you don't know when you're a stranger in a strange land. Now, there's a there's a bit of a chase through the ship. Apparently, like, Aaron is prevented from uh, uh, reaching the defense screen bay or whatever where John and uh, uh, Jelena are at work. Jelena is operating what looks to me, honestly, like a phone switchboard. She's... Yeah, something you know like what that. I mean? Yeah, with, uh, like, with the plugs and everything. Lots of, lots of that. While, while John, his big job is to hold two uh, polarized plates apart so that they don't touch each other. Which seems like there, there, there must be better ways to do that than just, like, have the human hold them apart. Like, you know... Yeah, a sheet of rubber. Beat them down. Actually, I thought, and I, it's a shame that that didn't come up, because at this point I thought that the Sheyang was going to get, like, squashed between those two plates or something. Uh, oh, that they were yeah. Use, they were going to use the attractive force of those plates to just, like, catch him. Which oh, that would have been clever. Which didn't pan out, unfortunately, but this was one of those moments where you're sitting there like, I wonder if that's going to happen. And, well, in this yeah, case, well, you've it did got, not. Like, as a, as a scientist, he should probably know that when you've got two things that absolutely should not touch each other, what you've got to do is use some spacers and, like, a pencil yeah. and a screwdriver and to you keep make them sure apart. they can't touch. I was, I was making a kind of a poor taste demon core oh, joke. right. It was a, yeah, a screwdriver. Screwdriver, but, and then the screwdriver yeah. rolled off, and it was a terrible, terrible nuclear accident. Yes, and people died several days later in most horrible ways. Yeah, let's go with that. That's like a, that's definitely the kind of atmosphere that we want for our <laughs> yeah, podcast. I'm so sorry for leading us there. <laughs> Uh, but uh, like it's kind of appropriate. I mean, they are under threat of death. So you've got Jelena in the in the switchboard. You've got John holding the the, uh, the those panels up, uh, keeping the demon core apart, and a fire breathing lizard coming at them. And what are they supposed to? What are they supposed to? Like they can't they can't do anything. So uh, Crichton does the one thing which he can do is he yells a swear at him and calls him a gas hole, <laughs> which is like. <laughs> <laughs> and then Erin to the rescue like she repels down yep. with her big ass gun just that seems to grow every episode and she just like yeah she rambos him right out of there and uh, one shot and yeah he goes up in a ball of flame which I guess like if he was building up a good head of steam if he like, was huffing and puffing uh, and, and yeah if you puncture his gas bladder or whatever <laughs> it is that he has to do these things with like I mean they're very combustible I mean like it's they would have to be kind of dangerous in a foxhole you know he made it through like a steel door he like while he was he was just burning it down you had sort of like the Jurassic part of a lime I almost said Velociraptor Velociraptor moment there when he was on the other side of like the circular window Uh, did you hear what what Erin said by the way when she when she blew him up no sorry about the mess it's like Han Solo and Guido yes yes come on that's great with this the other Cheyenne I guess Make a run for it, Shayang, whatever Shayan, Shayan. Actually, actually, no. They should be the Cayenne, Cayenne because of the fire, because of the fireballs. Oh yeah, so they're they the Cayenne be. aliens. Ah. Yeah, there you go. They give up. The captain actually makes a bit of a compliment. I think you had nothing, but you used it well. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Dargo like t- continue, like he tries to continue the ruse. Oh, my soldiers will will return soon. My officers are drawing up plans to retaliate. I doubt so. You had nothing, and you used it well. <laughs> yes, that was that was the one. Like that's that's kind of cool. Like, and and, and he tells his his new second in command, uh, 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 sealing sealing Sheyang. Yes, <laughs> like, there's no shame in losing to a to a clever opponent. But Dargo, Cardago, I make it a point to someday kill my clever opponents. Which seems like a bit of a boast for such a cowardly species, which they... I mean, I guess they're not cowardly exactly, but like calculating right. is probably a better way for, uh, to put it. Wouldn't think they'd be the kind to hold a grudge, but, you know. The the thing about Farscape that I appreciate so much that sets it apart from a lot of other uh, uh, science fiction... It's not sort of the, like the D&D racial alignments. It's about, it's about people. Like the Sheyang may... Or the, the Cayennes may have this, this reputation, but this is... Oh, what was his name? Turak, I think, was the the, okay. the, the main dude. Yeah. And, like, this is his personality. True. And he's not like any other Sheyang, because, like, the rest yeah. of the Sheyang, you saw that they were different as well. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, we don't have the uh, the planet of the uniform personality people. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, we have different people with different strokes. We have that with, uh, uh, with, uh, with the peacekeepers as well. Like yeah. we've, seen, we've seen Kreis, and we've seen Aaron, and now we've also seen Jelena. I mean, at this point, I really got the feeling that there was more of a, not just a rank, but also a social class structure, which, oh, I, yeah. which I guess makes a lot of sense in a militaristic society like uh, Oh, we got like that. that. We got that before when uh, uh, they were trying to operate like the, the piece of scanning tech that was like it was peacekeeper technology and it hands it to, hands it to Aaron. Aaron goes, oh, no. Tech's using, not infantry. Oh yeah, so I remember right? that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like that's not me. Like they're an entirely different social social yeah. stratum, and I mean, you could see from Jalila like how how mousy and and terrified she was. She's 
quite accustomed yeah. to being bullied like that. Yeah, she was a little shorter than Aaron, but so I wonder if that's incidental or if that's like actual an actual thing. With <laughs> do you think that the Sebations are sort of like a, a, a height based hierarchy? Well, it could be that yeah, the, the strong, almighty tallest, right? Or maybe you just pick the tall ones to be the the warriors and the and the fighters. Which actually, for pilots, you want short people because you have like less problem with g forces. Right. Also, yeah. it's like a thing that they, that the Americans very deliberately did for all the uh, meetings with the North Koreans. Right. They picked the largest, tallest oh, Marines that they could yeah. find. So they're just like all look, they're all like two heads taller Giant, than all of the... Uh, super intimidating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like these are super soldiers. and Way to go. I mean, it was that backfired for Napoleon. Napoleon surrounded uh-huh. him, like his Praetorian guards were, were big, huge bruisers. Yeah. And that's like one of the reasons why he wound up with a reputation for being a short dude. Yeah. Like... He was not short. He no, was, he was perfectly average for his for his time. But he was only like five foot three in French feet. French feet are longer. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So, and the English then thought, oh, five foot three, that's nothing. So, um, after the fight has been won, the crew is now saying goodbye to Jelena, who I suppose they're leaving behind on that the ship. That seems like the plan. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the other, uh, the, the other ship is coming back for her, because she was left there behind for a purpose. Yeah. Uh, and they go like, oh, I mean, is she going to tell on us? And then uh, Aaron goes like, oh, no, no, she won't tell, because, like, yes. she's, you've been in touch with us. And remember what happens to people who get uh, uh, corrupted. Yeah. Uh, Irreversibly ir- contaminated. contaminated. You know what happened to me. That could happen to you. You can see her thinking about this and coming to the conclusion that, yeah, she probably should shut up about this whole affair. Yeah, and, like, there's really nothing in it for yeah, her. No, I mean, like, the worst case scenario is that the crazy commander is going to, like... I mean, what did she say? Like, the, the, the penalty for that is death or worse, exile? Yes. Yes. Well, and and Erin sort of agrees. Like, she confides in her. You don't. You can barely imagine how bad it is to be exiled from, from everything you know and, and to be alone because... This is something like uh, earlier on when uh, uh, when Jelena was trying to earn Aaron's trust or at least like believe that she was uh, that she was capable of telling the truth. Like she was talking about, okay, as a as an officer, I think that you, Aaron's son, are a traitor and should be put to death, and you deserve the punishment. But as a Sebation, I believe you are deserving as I to know the truth about a cultural treasure. Which is what the Zelbinian is. Which is like like I was even surprised that uh, that Grace would even come back. For for Jelena, yeah, because he's so hell bent. But even he, with his with his with his total maniacal focus on right. Crichton, is going to come back to find out what happened to the Delbinian, a historical oh, specific, treasure. Yeah, specifically because they left people on board to investigate yeah. something. Do you think that he would care that much about? Yes, because some he wouldn't le- because he wouldn't leave them. Just leave them. Yeah, fair point. He'd be he'd be more careful about his resources. Yeah, it makes no sense to do that uh, if you're not planning on coming back. So, yeah, it's a little tearful moment, I guess, where uh, Crichton and uh, Jelena say goodbye to each other. And It's some... like the end of summer camp. No, it's we'll like... stay in touch. We'll yeah. find like, a, we'll is find bullshit a bullshit way. Po- There's a, yeah. Like, like what oh. are you going to do, write? Like, throw out mail in a bottle? You, uh, don't, you don't know what planet you're going to be on. You, you've got no way to get in touch with each literally other. literally running from the ship that she's supposed to, is going to be on. It's like, how on earth are they going to, well, definitely not on earth, but how are they ever <laughs> going to meet up with each other? And more kissing, more kissing, and 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 it's very it's very sad, and they and they say goodbye, and then like another a- melancholy ending to uh, to an episode. Yeah, of I noticed game. that. Like they, they they seem to end on a down note quite often. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't mind it. I think that's a, I think that's a good tone for the for the show because you've got the you've got the ups and the and and the downs, and like the ups are very high and the downs are very low, and yeah. so at the end you're just. You're kind of glad you made it through. You just a little bit of melancholy. Uh, I mean, the the highest was probably uh, uh, Rigel when he finally found the corpse that yes. uh, uh, Zan found him to, told him to find, um, and he gets to spit in the face of the of the his old tormentor. Spit again, the desiccated face with the. Do you notice how he had like? It's like he was wearing a silver contact lens. Like one of his pupils was was metallic. Oh yes, ah, uh, so cool. And he apparently shot himself in the head. Because yeah. like he's carrying this gun in his hand, and uh, yeah, Rigel gets his moment of. Uh, you died like a coward. Yeah. You killed yourself, Doka. You coward. He gets his yeah m- moment of catharsis of closure, maybe. Yeah. At least he yeah, outlived his tormentor. Right. It's it's kind of a shame that nobody else gets to to share this with him because yeah. it's it's a huge thing. Like 
It's he's a, been in prison for 130 cycles. No, he's been, less than that. He, like, he was disposed 130 cycles ago, and the ship has already been lost for 100 cycles. So he's only been on that ship for a maximum of 30 because he got off the ship before. Right, he, yeah. yeah, but there were other ships since then. Oh, right, yeah, Right, that's true. it's been yeah, a yeah. continuous... Oh, right, yeah, you're right, yeah, he has been That like, just happened to be the first one where he was tortured. Right, yeah, you're right. So, no, 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 no like, th- this is easy to, for, to, to overlook with Rigel because he's such a, like, he's such a dickhead and, mm. he's, and, he's, and he's so petty, but he's an incredibly traumatized yeah. uh, person. Like, even, even Dargo, for whom the, the, the hurt is much more... Uh, fresher? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. fresher. Yeah. Like, and it's also been eight cycles, but yeah. he's only 30. A very big difference. And Rigel is like, God knows who, how old, like hundreds probably. Yeah. yeah. And and he, he got some closure on, on a trauma that... That he's been carrying with him for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, good on him. Bit of an odd B-plot to uh, weave through the, st- the story. Uh, where but just Rigel of, being off doing his own thing yeah. and never really interacting with any of the other... Well, Zahn a little bit here and there, but... No, that's a good point. A lot of the times the B-plots get at least like a pairing that is interesting to, yeah. to discover. But it was really Rigel on his on his own. Yeah. I thought it was kind of impressive that Rigel on his own kind of works, honestly. It does, yeah. It made yeah. for it made for an interesting bit of backstory. And I guess it also explains a little bit more about his character, where he's like, you know, you know him as this disposed ruler. Yeah. Uh, and now you know that he's <laughs> yeah, like... That's going to be it, yeah, definitely. <laughs> now that you know that he's had his like, yeah... The time imprisonment has been a long time, and it's been pretty hard on him. And yeah, probably explains why he's a bit of a shithead, and like also probably why he's like focused on food. And I don't know. I he, imagine he was a shithead before. I mean, he, he might he I might mean, be he, like nineteen hundred years. He did like, get, oh, he, that was. I mean, there was a reason that they kicked him off the throne. So like, you know, <laughs> popular rulers seldom get disposed. Okay, that's the last time, and maybe one more time in the next episode. But good gravy. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Crichton and Jelena have uh, have promised to be pen pals after having been, I guess, yeah. penis pals. Are we getting that? No, I mean, I, I won't ask. I, I said I wouldn't ask you questions about things that happen in the future. Very so good. I won't ask any questions about things that happen in the future because we'll we'll see them happen or not. Yes, so I'm not going to yes, ask whether or not will... she get, comes back in the in the plot or not. And we end with Crichton and 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 Aaron. They've had a moment where they were really honest with each other, uh, and this time, like, she rebuffs him because he, she doesn't think that he can understand. What she's what she's going through, no. like confronted with this uh, this cultural treasure and being separated from her people, and then he tells her what he thinks about when mm-hmm. when he thinks about uh, going back to Earth and like walking past his dad's car and his best friend's house. Yeah, which seems like a bit of a weird thing. And then he thinks, but what if I come back and they're all dead? Oh yeah, I noticed that. That was that was a bit weird. I thought that was a very strange comment. It's like, yeah. that, like, does he like think that he's like not travelled in space but in time or something? Like that he's a little bit of a Buck Rogers himself. That he's like <laughs> been like back to Buck Rogers. I know. Yeah, I mean, no, like you're right. In the, in the, in the twenty fourth and a half century, why does he think that they might all be dead? I mean. I think that's an interesting uh, observation. I think a lot of this this episode is about trauma. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Zelbinian having been destroyed, uh, the you know the flagship of the of the peacekeepers, Aaron being confronted with her isolation, Rigel with his torment, uh, uh, Dargo with his helplessness. Yeah. Uh, that helplessness is is something that Crichton must feel all the time. Like right. he has no way of knowing, and he has no control over coming or back, or so his yeah. imagination could just go anywhere. He can think yeah. of, like it can be anything. They could be they could all be dead. And he can just like sit there and his and his brain running through this cycle of worry yeah. with nothing to do against it and I stand corrected. Says Aaron, because apparently he does understand yeah. what is happening for her as well. But uh, yeah, I mean like she might as well I mean she knows they're alive, but like they might as well be dead because she's been exiled. Yeah, and, and her unit's been demoted like whoa. Yeah. Oh harsh. Powerful, powerful stuff. Like I know we we started this uh, uh, this podcast with the idea we'll have some fun with uh, with zany aliens, yeah. And then the show hits you with this, yeah, right in the feels, right, <laughs> right in the feels. So how did it how did it feel for you? Like, uh, I mean, this is this is this is a lot like heavier as a as an episode than we than we've seen before. Like, there's a few heavy bits in there, but most of it is just like dealing with the the, the situation uh, yeah. at hand. So I mean, there's like they they, they, oh, insert, they the insert these little yeah egg. they yeah the KN uh, the KN <laughs> alien I mean it's like they are spicy so yeah. it makes sense uh, these elements are nicely woven into the story right. I, I, I think that's very well done they they're not like they flow from the events very naturally yeah yeah uh, there's a, like it's a, it's a, it's an allegory for itself yes 
uh, uh, in terms of the action and the and the experience of it. Like I, I looked it up who the who the writer of this show was, and it was and it was someone called Nan Hagen, and this is the only episode she's done. I'm like, wow, okay, okay, yeah. you you nailed it. Now apparently I'm, had something going for her. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't even know how the writing works. Whether they had a writing writer's room. Uh-huh. Like, like Star Trek often yeah. had, where they'd occasionally like buy a script from someone else. But like, what would it be like writing for Farscape? The, Especially the first season, nobody, for, yeah, right, nobody, exactly. yeah, write something about aliens and uh, a ship. Like, here's your premise, and yeah. like, go. This script would have to be written before like a single yeah. scene had been filmed. Yeah, I have no idea how that went. Like, did they have like the full script for the entire ser- season? Like, I, I would think they had. Like, the I will do some investigating. Let yeah. me see if I can okay. find out more about right. this. Maybe, maybe get in touch with some of the writers. I've seen that some of them are on uh, on Twitter. Who knows? Maybe yeah, we'll get cool. lucky. Yeah, love to hear about that. Like, if there's not really a pilot episode either, is there? Was it like immediately uh, pulled there out for an, an episode s- about pilot? No. Down cocky. <laughs> yes, yes. I pulled this back up out of the melancholy and into the silliness. <laughs> uh, oh. No, I think the opening episode was called The Premiere or Through yeah. the uh, uh, Eye of the Needle, depending right. on where you But it's not actual, there was not an actual pilot episode, which was then pitched to the network, which then decided to pick it up and then they made the first no, season. No, they went straight there. Yeah. That's and what I, I think that they see. could do that because, like, it was it was a co-production to begin with. Like, a, a, a lot of the financing oh, yeah. came probably from uh, uh, the Jim Henson company yeah. itself. I mean, you did mention that they wanted to showcase their ability. Right, So yeah. they probably went like, okay, we'll do this on the cheap. And, uh, I mean, they sure didn't. Oh, well, no, I mean, like, in the end. as in cheap, cheap for, the, uh, for the producers. And, like, they'll, oh, they'll like probably so, yeah, give yeah. them a discount or, uh, yeah, we'll do this for minimal, minimum pay. Not what, and then put much more effort into it than they were... Uh, yeah. Supposed to, but damn, it looks good. All right, all right. So um, before we before we close, I want to I want to continue like at the segment that we kind of invented last week. Yeah. Um, what gave you the willies and what gave you a woody? She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. Oh dear! Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. So we can take it kind of broad, like okay. the, uh, Woody. Whatever you thought was good, Willie. I mean, what do you think? Can we have a segment called Willie or Woody? It's- <laughs> 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 okay, well, that that gets my Woody for this episode. Very, very good. Okay, so I, um, yeah, I think Will, uh, Willie would definitely be for uh, Rigel when he has had his confrontation moment with his old tormentor. Yes, yeah, getting, getting those flashbacks into the torture when that he had. When he was in this BDSM birdcage. Yes, and it is just occurring to me that we should say it differently. Like that gave you the Willies, because otherwise it sounds like your Willie no, goes to Rigel. That, that would be and that's Woody. Probably. Yeah. yeah Ooh, no, no, no. no that, so that no, that, that definitely gave definitely, me the Willies. As well. Yes. So, what's the Woody moment? Oh, like seeing the Zelbinian that, like, right. in the planetary oh, rings, the opening, reflected opening in the eye much. of Rigel. Yes. That gave me such a science fiction Woody. Woody it was yeah. so cool. It was a great way to start the episode. There's, there's been so many of these, of these, like, fantastic images in these early episodes that, mm. that honestly have stuck with me for, for the twenty years since the, the show, like, uh, a Moya landing on the Bog planet. Oh yeah. And the, yeah, and, 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 and like a twilight. I'd never seen that in, in science fiction and all before. Those sh- all the shots with the, with the monarch uh, and all those things like swarming uh, yes, around Moya. Yes, exactly. It's so gorgeous. The uh, the special effects house at the time, Garner McLennan, I think they it, mostly did. It holds up. It's 20 years right? down and you would not be able to tell that. And that's the story so Farscape. We'll see you next week with episode number 108, That Old Black Magic, in which on a commerce planet, Crichton finds himself lured into an alternate reality controlled by Maldis, a yes. being who feeds of negative energy. Oh, yes. He is pitted against Kreis in a fight to the death, leaving Zahn to tap into her old darkness to try and help him. Oh, wow. I, look, I remembered some of that. I remember the, the, the uh, Maldis, but I forgot that Kreis was there. And then, and then, oh, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Um, uh, uh, if you're just as excited, you can find us on SoFarscape on Twitter at, at, at Facebook. Book. Wow, one one day you can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and Facebook and on SoFarscape.com. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. So, so Farscape, Farscape, so good. good.